peace, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of On Tilt. I'm Julius here with Miss Danielle, aka Mama Brown. How you doing today? I'm doing well, Julius. I'm doing well. I'm sure some of our viewers saw me with an IV in my arm earlier this week. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that is a, it's a continued recovery, a continued, you know, um, well, you could call it side effect of the hunger strike. You know, uh, it's a slow recovery, but I'm here. I'm strong and I'm on, you know, I keep saying this. I'm on the men's going up. I'm doing well. Yes. Glad to hear that. So before we get into it, y'all, you know, we like to give a moment of silence to acknowledge those who are no longer with us. So please join us. All right. Thank y'all. So this thing, yeah, we talked about uh, a, a really uh, important conversation last week. We talked about black athletes yeah. and how mental health impacts their lives. We talked a little bit about Richard Sherman. Uh, talked about Naomi Osaka. Um, we talked uh, about a few different, a few other different athletes. It just had a really rich conversation. And, and by the time we got to an hour, we realized it wasn't enough time yeah. to really dig deep into it. We started to talk about some of the young athletes and now how they can get paid for their name, image, and likeness. So this is part two of that conversation, y'all. So we hope y'all were able to tune in. Um, and if you do tune in today and you didn't get a chance to see the first one, you can go back and watch that afterwards. So. Uh, where, where should we start, Miss Danielle? We got a lot of different things. Where do you want to start? You know, um, let's set, set the tone. And the reality is, is that a lot of athletes do suffer from mental health illness. And unfortunately, out of the numbers, I mean, if we just look at college students alone, which, you know, I have a affection for, you have 33% college students in which mental health Im significantly impacts them. And out of 30, 33%, I think they said something like only uh, a small percentage of them um, actually report their mental health episodes or issues. But even more so out of that, 10% of college athletes are reporting mental health issues, 10%. And a lot of times it's because of what has happened to them and it became known. But for a majority, they're silent, especially the athletes, about their depression about their eating disorder, about their performance enhancement drugs, about their addiction, about their exhaustion. They, they underreport. And so we're grateful for athletes. We're grateful. Michael Phelps was one of the earlier 
well, one of the pioneers on social media and in the media at the, at, at, as prevalent as the media is today, you know, is very vocal about it. A lot of other celebrity athletes are now speaking up about mental health. And we're grateful about that because we know mental health affects this population in large numbers. But yet, they are, we view them as being machines, like they're, they're determined to win. And we look only at that, their abilities, their strength, their endurance, their, their status, their gifts and talents. But we don't think about these are still real people performing at a high level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then with, with that, I want to talk, uh, let's talk first about this young athlete, uh, basketball player, high school prep star who, um, Mikey Williams from Lake Norman Christian High School in North Carolina. Um, got a lot of people in North Carolina. Shout out to North Carolina. So he he is in basketball country, really. You got Duke. You got uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels. You got North Carolina State. Um, you got uh, UNC, uh, uh, I think, what, Greensboro or UNC Charlotte. So you got a lot of different... In HBCUs, North Carolina A&T. There's so many programs down there. So this this young man, um, who's a, a high school basketball prep star, I believe he just got the first really, really big contract deal for his name, image, and likeness. We're talking millions of dollars. Now this is this is a young black boy, really still a young black boy that's getting all this money now that athletes can benefit from their name, image, and likeness. And Mama Brown, just you talking about like a lot of the things that um, athletes in general, and specifically black athletes, are comfortable with sharing. I imagine that he's still going to be going through, he's still going to be dealing with depression. He's still, there's still going to be, um, you know, drug use around him. There's still going to be all these things that are going to be challenging his mental health. And now he's, I don't know his, his exact age. Maybe John can, can pop that up for us, but. Yeah, I'm going to ask how old. He, he has got to be, you know, 15, 16, 17, something like that. I mean, what could you imagine coming into millions of dollars at the age of 15? And not to mention your, 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 uh, your counterparts and your teammates, they ain't got millions. So now what, how is that impacting your relationship with them? So what do you think is going to happen with this young man in terms of this, this money and his mental health as a, as a young black athlete? Well, let's talk about his, the peer pressure, because we know that that sparks a lot of the early onset of mental illness among young people. It's peer pressure. It's your peers. So here he is going to be thrust into an adult-like setting because he's going to be the youngest one, right? Um, I think, how old is he? Did we find that out yet? He's probably, let's just say, high school, 17, maybe getting ready to turn 18. Very, very young. 17. 17, 17. yeah. Yeah. So 
That means he cannot make financial decisions for himself. All he's thinking about is the toys that he's able to purchase now. Yeah, expected to generate millions. Wow, look at that. Exactly. So the peer pressure of being just thrust into that environment and then his parents are going to have total control over his finances. What type of people are they? You understand what I'm saying? If we got to deal with the mental health of the parents, it's almost like rags to riches. I don't know. They could be very affluent. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying there is a before and there is the after. And that after is <laughs> pretty darn good for a lot of black people, <laughs> you know, who are, you know, shelling out a lot of money to go to these A1 conferences to play basketball, to play football. It is a lot of money to play these sports that parents that allow. I know I did. And then to almost overnight be millionaires. There, there's that part too is can, can, hey, is a life transition and are they prepared for it mentally? There's more of a mental transition than anything. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you said, you know, we don't necessarily know what's happening uh, with the family. They could, he could come from, uh, you know, have parents or grandparents or caregivers or mentors around him that are, or he himself, right? We don't know. He could, he could be a, a, a financial whiz kid who does understand his financials and all that good stuff. I did. <laughs> we, you know, he, he, he could be, you know, we, we have, we haven't seen too much of that, but he, he could have a, a better understanding maybe around his, his money, but at any, at any rate, millions of dollars for a 17 year old, right? Cause I was thinking in my mind when I first said it, I'm like, yeah, I wonder if he has a bank account. Like, I wonder if, right. you know, does he know how to like write checks? Um, and then I'm thinking about like the agents, right? Because the agents, um, and all the people who, the, uh, the attorneys, all the people who are going to want their cut, who are going to say, be trying to give that advice are the parents or the caregivers and this young man, Mikey, are they knowledgeable enough at this particular point to, to know how to, dis to decipher how to maneuver, not if that happens, but I know it's already happening, right? You. You want ESPN right now. And, and John, is, is there a way? I saw there was a video there. Um, is there a way that we could, that maybe we could see that video just to, to get a glimpse into, uh, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure if it's showing like highlights of this young man or uh, any other pieces, but it, it would, I think it would be interesting just to see what, what's in that video. But, you know, who's around this young man and are, are they, are they guiding him in the right direction? Right. And, and, and we all know, we all know that the minute that the media finds out that you're a potential, that's when businesses come to you with credit, the cars, the houses, the jury, the things. I know because 
my son went to a uh, uh, went to a private school, the Catholic High School, known throughout the U.S. and the world as producing your top athletes for basketball. We had the number one draft pick a couple of years ago, you know, with Markel Fultz. He was the number one draft pick. We had Chase Young. These are all Jalen's brothers. Um, number two pick in that field, um, not last season, but what? What's that, about a year and a half, two years ago now? Who played for the Redskins. So, you know, I, I could tell you that you know, there's a lot of things thrown out at their way early that, you know, you hope to have good parents to help mitigate that because, you know, we're like children in the candy store. You know, we like, wow, I could just say, drop off my sports car or I can just say, I'm going to this neighborhood. And even though I used to drive past the neighborhood and dream about the houses, I can say, I want that house. I want that condominium. I want to live in that neighborhood. I want the Gucci's and the Louis <laughs> and everything that comes with it overnight. You know, you don't even have to wait till the check is deposit. How powerful is that? You know, I wish I would be able to go in the store and say, I want this, 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 this. Put a, you know, oh, you so and so? Here, we'll get our money later. Not a credit application. <laughs> right. Miss Danielle, I think you said you brought up an interesting point as parent of of an athlete, of athletes. Like how, how did how do you how how did you navigate that? Like were you just from early on, were you like, okay, um from an expectation standpoint? Like, was it in your mind as a mom to just be expecting of, to reap the benefits of your, of your children? Is that an expectation that you have as a parent? Well, that's a great question, Julius. And let me be very honest with you. A lot of us moms who sent our children to top D1 feeder um, um, high schools, and a lot of them are usually private schools. Um we had the expectation of not paying for college. So we invest the money now in high school, knowing that this school feeds D1 colleges and there's the scholarships. We hope they get to the NFL, but it's how well they perform in, in college. So we have a little room in Buffer. You're talking about a young man that's coming straight out of high school. Not even playing at the collegiate level. So he doesn't, he doesn't get to get all of the, the um, financial education that the collegiate level or experience, you know, or, or being able to formulate a, a little more mature, you know, relationship with, with their teammates. When Jalen was at, the math high the math Catholic high school they taught them financial um how to manage their money and what 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 it looks like should they you know proceed to go on to you know get scholarships in the NFL or just to become great citizens career citizens they taught financial um literacy at his high school level 
And guess what? They also had evening classes for us parents. This is partly why I became so savvy when it came to stocks and a lot of things, because one thing I will say that was extremely strategic and intelligent and forward thinking that the Matthew Catholic High School did was not only educate the student, but to educate the parents as well, because they understood that students are still, even though they get the education and exposed to it, they still young sponges. But the parents have the maturity and the responsibility to help guide that student along. So it's important to educate not only the students, but the parents. Now, this is at an elite um, Catholic private school. A lot of these people and a lot of NFL players, they're not coming from private education or, you know, around privileges like that. Sometimes they're coming right off the street. They're just that they're darn good. But the parents are still street-minded and have not been taught. So they don't know any better than the child. And that's where the in-house fighting happened is when the child one day, one day wake up and be like, wait a minute, what happened to all my money? Well, your parents wasn't controlling your money. Mm. Now let's think about, you made me think about Braun, LeBron James, and there was a, a, a number of different guys that came out of high school, straight out of high school to the pros. And if my, I might have to do my research, y'all. So y'all may have to, to comment now or when y'all watch it later on. Like, I don't really remember LeBron having that many issues with like, you know, and I know he has like a lot of the people that were around him when he was younger. I think they're still a part of his like core team. Like some of his boys that he played with, they're now serving kind of roles in terms of mentors and advisors and running different things. But I never really heard about LeBron having like major, major like financial issues or anything like that. I know he went through a lot of maturing, you know, people, you know, take the jabs at broad, but he came into multi-millions uh, of dollars when he was young. And now I don't, I have no idea what his net worth is, but I know it's a ridiculous amount of money, but I'm just saying, I think, he kind of showed us that like it is possible to come into a lot of money at a young age and like not totally just blow through it or make horrible decisions. At least I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, y'all. Yeah, he went to a private school too, didn't he? Braun, uh, it was, I don't, I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was a private school. Or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so are you saying that if, you go to a private school, that's the, that's the answer. Like that's the way to make sure you'll, 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 you'll get the life skills you need to, if you do come into millions of dollars as a young person, you're like, all right, I was exposed to different, different things. Is that kind of what you're, what you're highlighting? Yeah. Uh, that's exactly. Cause these private schools know what they're producing. They are feeders. And so like. These private schools know that name is everything. 
So it's important for them to make sure that the quality of players that they're sending to these, it's, they're all connected when it comes to funding. You know, the endorsement, all of that. You got Nike that were Nike in, in Under Armour and all of them. You know, they're sponsoring the T-shirts, the equipment, everything at these high schoolers, even the tennis shoes. The Jalen had everything. He had the, the Nike uh, 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 um, sweatsuits. They got socks. They got at high school. I mean, they got good stuff. He would give he would throw some of that stuff to me. If I could wear their tennis shoe size, I would I would have been looking really good. Not one brown in a sneaker game. But they understand what gifts and talents they have at their level. So it's important that they educate them. They're not going to give them everything, but they're going to give them enough to plant seeds to have them thinking. And at the same time, educate the parents. Now, let's, let's hope that in LeBron James' case, which appeared to be so, because he had a strong mother, you know, um, that those seeds took. And she was able to have enough in her circle. And to, if she even had to talk to the high school people about financial, because, you know, they're part of that community. Look, you're paying a lot of money to send your kids to these private um, high schools. They're about 30000 a year, okay? So with that, you have people who are financial savvy, you know? So you have a network that's starting at the high school level that you can check into that will help you, whereas in a lot of city schools, you know, you don't, you don't, that's not the topic. It should be, but that's not the topic. That's not the subject topic at these city schools. They're just trying to keep, they're just trying to get the kids out of there. They're trying to educate them. They're trying to get them to school. They're trying to make sure that they graduate, make sure they meet the city numbers, the reading, the, the, the diagnostic tests, whatever. But I don't see them, and, and look, if the city school do practice or, or, or teach finances, a lot of times you will have to want to be in that class or you have to be one of those very bright students um, and, and, and they'll put you in that class. Because I remember in high school, I couldn't just take any class. Some classes were reserved for the, um, I forgot what they called them type of kids. <laughs> they used to call it gifted. Gifted was- and talented. Yeah, gifted. I, I will tell you. Julie was in a gifted talent program. I was I was not. No, I wasn't. I wish I'm a, I'm a, I want to shout out to uh to Pittsburgh City Schools and um you know a lot of folks that go in to, to mentor at some of the uh Pittsburgh public schools. We got a lot of phenomenal black uh mentors that'll go in and take their expertise. I remember I was um uh you know, being one of the mentors, I would be excited when other mentors would come in because they'd have so-and-so like the financial, like somebody who's a, a black financial manager. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I know if the kids are learning something, I'm learning something. So they, they, um, there are different programs that they bring in different folks to say, all right, you may not be exposed to this in your regular curriculum at this school, but we go get some black mentorship 
in this space because they're going to talk to you about um, whatever it is. You know, we got they're talking about STEM. They're talking about financial management. They're talking about mental health and wellness, the things that are not in the, the, the normal curriculum. So um, I know that's a big, big deal in Pittsburgh for Pittsburgh public schools, and they're constantly bringing in you know, black mentorship, it should, it should be in the curriculum. And I don't know if that's improving or not. Um, but I do know, you know, shout out to all the mentors out there, um, lo- locally specifically. I want to, um, I want us to shift gears a little bit, Mama Brown and talk about, uh, part two of, of, of the Naomi Osaka discussion, right? We were talking about, um, you know, last week, just her, her being open about her mental health challenges and some more recent developments. Now she's, um, she's starting to do more things in the media. She was recently on the cover, one of the covers mm-hmm. uh, Sports Illustrated. I think it was her. Um, I think Megan Stallion was on one of the covers. Oh, and um, um, John, if you could find the name for me, is super monumental uh, a first um, trans woman also on the cover of Sports yeah. Illustrated, so that's super huge. Uh, but Naomi Osaka is getting criticized from this uh, media personality, Megan Kelly, I think is her name. The general producer says she used to be with NBC News. Now she's with Fox. And she made some um, some negative comments before about blackface. So she has these 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 racist tendencies and things that she has said before. Now she's got uh, in her heart to pick and in her mind to pick with Naomi Osaka and say, okay, Naomi, you having these mental health challenges and, uh, Naomi Osaka tells Megan Kelly to do, to do better after tweet over magazine covers. So Megan Kelly is saying to Naomi Osaka, oh, I thought you were having mental health problems, but now we see you want to cover a Vogue, the cover of Sports Illustrated, the cover of this, the cover of that. So you, you, your, your mental health challenges must not be that bad if you're out here uh, doing all this media coverage. And Naomi is like, okay, if you as a journalist, Megan, you also need to understand that the, uh, the run times for these things. And she was upset because Naomi Osaka blocked her on social media. Uh, but Naomi was trying to educate her and say, you, I didn't shoot the cover of Vogue and Sports Illustrated yesterday. <laughs> day, right? We 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 had to do this stuff months ago. Maybe even I forget when she said it happened, but it wasn't like it just happened. So they got to go and fix the photos and get everything ready for print. So it's not like it's the schedule. Yeah, it's like the editorial calendar is months. Mm-hmm. So you saying like like number one, stay out of my business. Number one and number two, you obviously have no idea how long these things take to come to fruition, right? So I just have, I don't even know where to start with this. I have so many issues. It's ignorant. That was the ignorant thing you can say. And, but yet, why is she still on that word? I'm just saying. Listen, I went, I, I, I know it. Sometimes it doesn't even really make a difference, but I went and I said, I looked up Megan Kelly. And I found her on social media and I sent the email and a message. And I was like, I was like, you know, I, I, I hope you are well. So I started off real like nice and gentle. Like and you I said, you, I said, well, it's come to my attention that you obviously don't understand the impact of mental health on people. Uh, and then I said, you know, kind of went into my little dissertation, but it, it had me hot because it's like, 
how how can you criticize someone for meds for their mental health challenges? Like how how where do we get off crit critiquing people because of their mental health challenges? Now I know there's a fine line between that, right? When we talk about other issues of like, um, you know, like violence and things like that, and we attribute it to mental health. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if somebody it says like Naomi, I'm, ch I'm chilling. I'm stressed. I have so much, uh, anxiety. We have a question. How, how can you be on a public social, public social media and remain private? Wow. That's a great question. I want, I think that's important to talk about. Is it? And, uh, Andrea or Andrea, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I'm interpreting the question is, uh, how can you be on a public social media and remain private? It's almost like when you're an athlete and you get to that level, that stature, people basically expect you to just be open. They're like, no, you are a, you are the top. She was, I think Naomi Osaka was the highest paid a woman athlete in the world in like 2020. So it's like, if you have that level of, of stature and greatness, you can't be private. You can't, you can't say no to the world. I disagree, but I think that's what the media and the fans creates. And I, I think that's not. When you write this article, when I got some of the um, statistics about the 10% of athletes who um, have mental, who disclose their mental illness, they call it invisible injuries. So when you're on a public platform and you ask the question, how can you remain private? It's called don't, what is it? Don't ask, don't tell in that way. Meaning, don't ask me about how I'm doing because I can't tell you. These are invisible, you know, I have to keep them very close to myself because if I share what, first of all, it's, it takes a courageous person to share that they are suffering from mental illness. But a lot of times they're like, don't ask me those type of questions. Matter of fact, their agent sometimes tell them, don't ask her about this. Don't ask her about her mom who fell ill last week. Don't ask about, you know, her crying. Don't ask. They try to deter, believe it or not, the media from even asking those type of questions. So it's a system of protecting the athlete from, I guess, the scrutiny of being on a public platform and, and, and not hurting their image by being transparent about their mental health issues. That's why I say it's very courageous of an athlete to, to say, you know what, I'm going to share, this is what's going on. I'm stressed out. I got an eating disorder. Look, I'm addicted to these, you know, pain medicine. I have to, you know, cause I have to rely on them because, you know, I have, I, I hurt, you know, I have to work through pain to perform. And that's stressful and that's anxiety. And for someone to say that, man, that's very courageous because it's tied to their, 
tied to their um promotion uh their contract their media contract their business contracts it's tied to all of that everybody wants stable people what did that mean hmm and 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 um i want to bring in um an additional comment and again forgive me andrea andrea if you put yourself out there you are going to be criticized critics can be negative or positive dot 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 vulnerability when, when i was watching the um the 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 season one i think of the naomi osaka docuseries which circling back around lebron james was an executive producer of i'm watching it in naomi if you haven't you need to watch like some interviews of her her this this young young woman her demeanor is so soft-spoken and relaxed and you could just tell like the moment that i started watching it I was like, wow, her spirit is just, yeah, I felt her spirit, right? So I, I immediately was on Team Naomi because I'm like, man, she's, is she being vulnerable in her interviews? She's, I think the difference with Naomi is that she was actually saying, hey, y'all, like, I have, she said, I have social anxiety, mm-hmm. right? It makes me anxious to do all these interviews, right? So I think that's kind of where the difference is. We have somebody literally saying uh, that that here's where I struggle with. She's not saying don't like leave me alone, right? She's saying and for me to try to manage and balance my own emotions, I may not be giving these interviews for this amount of time because it stresses me out and gives me anxiety. So if that's not like in a certain contract or whatever, like if she can say that as a, as a, as a human and that's her, her right to be able to do that. Like, I think that's cool. I just think pe- like when people make the associations of like, Oh, like, no, you have to do the interview. She doesn't have to do anything. Right. Like she, she was literally saying in, in her, in the docuseries. And this is what made me feel for her so much. She was like, I wonder what it would be like if tennis didn't exist, if tennis just went away. This is her, like her passion, the thing that she was training to do since she was four or five years old. They show video of her at the court with her sister all day long and her parents, her parents dream of her to become a tennis player. And now she's at a point where she's saying she wants, she wonders what life would be like if tennis was not a thing. Like, to me, that's just like sirens just going off. Like, can can we not see how stressful this is? Did you hear the part that she said that she she was her own biggest critic? She said, I wasn't even that good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I wasn't even that good. And she was like, she was almost looking at me like, you think I'm good? Like, I don't even think I'm good. And she didn't even know she was that good. Like, she was that good before she knew she was that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, so to me, right, from my lens uh, uh, as a mental health advocate, I'm like, we, we society, we need to do better at making accommodations for people, which what you just said, Mama Brown, this, the invisible illness, mm-hmm. right? 
Like we, it, it, and when somebody tells us, right? So we didn't have to go guessing like, oh, is Naomi going through something? She told us on the biggest platform, right? To say, hey, y'all, I'm dealing with stress and anxiety. And can we just chill a minute on, on these interviews? And people are like, what? We, no, you, you get and pay all this money. You. Which is crazy why they go home and drink a tonic. <laughs> right so i'm like it, it's 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 just I, so bringing that all together i feel like as as fans as you know people who are observers or, or, or in some cases parents or loved ones of these athletes like we at some point it's how we got to be mindful of like all the stuff that's weighing on them on top of the athletic stuff like right this this 17 year old um mikey like he's man he 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 got a lot coming he's got a lot coming now uh we got we got some more comments i agree with the courage it takes to face your truths that is why we the people have to remove the fear of critics critics have always been and will always be i do uh yeah, I do. I do. I do agree with that. There's a, uh, there's a quote and I'm a butcher it, but it talks, it's basically like, if you, ain't, if you are not in the ring, if you're, if I don't see you in the ring, in the arena fighting, then I really don't want to hear your critique. Cause I, we've all done it. Right. We've all been like, well, look at such and such or whatever. Look at that. And we're not, we're not in that arena. We're not in the ring. So I do support the, uh, you know, critics remove the fear of the critics. In addition to that, though, I think that um, sometimes we just gotta shut up. Like sometimes it's just like, man, we we just we just critique things, and and and, and uh, if we just flipped it a little bit and just add a little bit of grace in there, oh, this is a human being who just so happens to be a superstar, and but they're dealing with stuff. But it's a human being. How can I extend them that grace? But let's 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 take a different look at this. Let's go back to what you said earlier. Image. Image, image, image is everything. You know that going into this. That's one of the things that as an athlete, you know that a lot of what you do is centered around image. How do we know? That's why you're only allowed to wear Nike. If Nike is sponsoring that tennis match, that's why your agents say, don't say this and give you talking points. Because a lot of times you're not allowed to just be yourself. There's a script and you have to follow that script. And God forbid if you break from that script. And when you do, you better be a strong enough athlete to be able to take the backlash of deviating from the script. Because we have seen people who have deviated from the script. And we have seen what has happened to their career. Colin Cabin. He's good. He's a great one. One knee. He deviated from the NFL uh what do you call it, a routine or a norm when you're, when you're saluting the flag. 
the rules they set, they set rules. You won't be doing this. We're not right. going to have that. Right. President of the United States got involved. So when you deviate from the script, it is an image thing. It can hurt you. And how much of that takes away one's freedom to be able to freely talk about their mental health? Yeah. Now, and now, Colin, too, I, I, I personally think he's, he, he's, he's, he's doing okay. I think he, um, transitioned into a space now as like an advocate and as a, as a, as a leader, um, as, a, you know, as an activist, as an activist, like he, I mean, he's, he's writing now, he's speaking, he's, 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 he is living another part of his life's call and maybe being a, uh, a professional athlete was was a part of that call, right? It was not the the overall call. And I think what what Colin did too was, um, he made he made it okay for everybody else to join in, right? Like every he he sparked it so that other athletes, and then that ultimately, um, to some degree, right, changed the trajectory of what we started to see in sports. Now you see the NBA, right? They got Black Lives Matter. Names on their jerseys, right? So, and then that's you know, I I feel like um, some of it was performative. I'll, I'll say yeah. that, but it's still, it was still, you know, it it moved things forward a little bit. Um, the black athletes, we will, I will say to them, they did come together. It said something has to be done. Now they didn't really like how they tried to put protocols on how they go about doing it. They thought well, you can't put on your shoes, you can't. Where that person's name? You can't put the neighborhood person. This was, now let me just pause right here. This what upset me. It had to be a noted person for you to put their name on the back of the jersey when it first started. Like when, when I know one of Jalen's brothers wanted to put Jalen's name on the back of their jersey, but it wasn't listed as among the top names. And they didn't want that to happen because they wanted to make sure that other athletes are not making it personal. Like with their neighborhood friend going on the back of their jersey. And so you got uh, Joe Clark on the back of your jersey. And nobody knows who Joe Clark is. But Joe Clark is a victim of, you know, police brutality and it was dear to that athlete why couldn't that athlete elect to put that person on the back of their jersey image image now to their point maybe some of these people might have been in game and it could have been twisted wrong so the industry was protecting themselves as well, but it's a fine line in all of this. So even, even athletes sometimes are not allowed to green publicly it, it, when it came to Black Lives Matter because Black Lives Matter, the participant had to be in this box. When we know that's a small box compared to how many Black men who we lost at the hands of police brutality 
And because there was no cameras and because they were a big case, but yet their lives mattered. And that right there, you know, the whole thing, what Colin did was huge. It was huge just to even open up the space for us to even talk about it in the, in the athletic area of social justice. I think I would credit him as being the gatekeeper to social injustices at that platform that was happening. Even though a lot of other, Kareem with the, uh, just won a championship. Um, they just, the Bucks. Then they just won a championship since 1971. Yep, they, they haven't won one since 1971. This is their second time. Yeah. But the last one was with the, since 1971, they had not won one until just now. And I think it's not the one that Kareem was on that first championship team that they won. But yet it was so racist in Milwaukee when the Mil yeah, that he ended up he he wanted to be traded because of how racist they were. And with his, him changing his name to a Muslim name, you know, they they treated him horrible. They even tried it with Muhammad Ali. You know, so now we don't we don't take that same approach, but it wasn't as many media outlets then as we have now with cameras capture capture everything. But we remember looking at soccer players having Black soccer players having things thrown at them and racial slurs, and they put that on TV. So we we see that in our generation, how poorly they were treated in Europe and some of these other countries. Being a black athlete, people showing up with monkey faces on and using profanity and throwing things at them, and not not congratulating them when they did a good play because they didn't think that they was worthy enough. So I don't know how I got on that tangent. Listen, I'm just saying image. Now it's about that money and they could care less about sometimes your mental health or even what's personal. They want to make sure whatever's personally going on with you, keep it invisible. Keep it under the covers, but make sure your image is you're strong, you are talented, and you are set apart. You are elite. And that's the only thing a lot of these, but now companies are 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 are, are now seeing the trend change. So you got Nike, and you got other companies now saying, you know what? We're going to get on this mental health bandwagon too. And we're going to start putting dollars into saying, look, let's get our athletes some mental health treatment. Uh, not, not an athlete, but somebody who is always in the, in the, in the, you know, the area of athletes was probably at every Philadelphia 76ers game. Meek Mill just put out on his social media, uh, Something like we need we need to figure out a way to make therapy cool in the black community is what Meek said. And, you know, a lot a lot of different black mental health professionals were like sharing and commenting like like Meek, 
we we're, we're already on it. Like we're already we're already making mental health cool in the black community. We just need we need the athletes and the the, the black athletes and the uh, black celebrities to really uplift it and celebrate it. I would love to see like um, here because here's what I, where I think we are now, where mental health is becoming cooler or less taboo. So you got more 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 uh, black people talking about it, but. There's a difference between talking about it and like bringing it up than actually like dealing with like your stuff, right? Like you're like, uh, whether that be through therapy or other wellness things or spiritual stuff, however you choose to heal your holistic healing, it doesn't have to be therapy. It could be church therapy, uh, yoga, journaling, uh, going to the, they got the rooms or the record rooms where you could go in and you could take it, your, your, your anger out. Um, but the point I'm trying to make though, is I feel like we are making therapy, making mental health cool in the black community, but there's still a lot of healing that has to happen. I still like that. Like, yeah, I can talk about mental health, but am I really sitting down with a, with, with somebody who can help me navigate all the like inner layers of all this, all the like grief and shame and all that. I would love to see that kind of campaign where you get like the, the toughest athletes, you know, those people that you said are like the, 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 uh, elite of the elite. And these are the ones that we're like, man, these are the toughest athletes, black athletes in the world. The world. And they start talking about vulnerability and, um, being gentle with yourself. Like I would love to see a, a, a campaign or conversation like that. So then these, the young black athletes can see like, wow, it's okay for me to be, be gentle with myself yeah. and to actually get help when I need it. But if we're not, if we're not modeling that for them, then they're not, how can we expect them to, to, to do it themselves on their own? Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's what we have to remember. These elite of the elite, <laughs> I like how you said that, Julia. They experience loss. They experience heartbreak. They experience anxiety, depression. They're normal people too. I mean, you know, if me cooking, you know, lasagna was a, you know, um, <laughs> an elite sport. <laughs> The was Bill is on your lead. If me knitting a blanket <laughs> was an elite sport, <laughs> there's a mama brown at the elite of the elite, but she about crazy. They all come. Listen, I was thinking about that. Like, what if there was, I, I literally thought the same thing the other day. What if, like, there was a, a, a national sports league for like, just regular stuff. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I like what, like what if it was for like, no people like activists and nonprofits, like, right. They, they like, I mean, it, it kind of, it, it kind of is. I was talking, shout out to, um, to my brother, Leon Ford, yes. who is on, is on like, talk about healing. I mean, his, like, I can't even put into words how much healing work. He, he just, just, emanates like healing energy but he was talking about what was he saying to me last time uh we talked activism has become uh 
a business. And he's like, people, so, so, so when things happen and all these people see that they can like do things in the act, like they can latch on to activists or latch on to a certain cause, cause it's going to bring a, a, a headline or a check or whatever. It's like, and what did he say? He said, um, uh, it, it is, it, he's recognized that it has become performative, right. To be an activist and he's been in spaces with activists and he's been like, wow, and you're really performing right now. Like you're not, you're, you're saying that it's passion, but you're not, but you, I can feel that it's not real energy. That is literally, you talk about image, right? That is something that is big now in the activist community. So I get, I go off on that tangent just to say like, it's even infiltrated the the activist community, right? Or something. I give you a hug for that, Julian. <laughs> You're on my page. <laughs> it's like, so you know, and it is it's there, there, there are a lot of struggles and challenges and tears and things that come with walking in your true calling as a as an activist and an advocate and a community leader. And then on the flip side of that coin, there is also there, don't get it twisted. There are bad, you can get a bag being an activist. You can get a, a clout being an activist. You can get a, get a, 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 a verification check mark on social media from being an activist. You can make millions of dollars. It's, it's probably a billion dollar industry activism. So. I know we're on a whole different tangent, but no, we need to talk about that next week. We need to have we need to have him on a show. Can we? Yeah. Can we? Hey, look. Sometimes, guys, we get our inspiration through conversations like this. You know, that's why we like to keep it real. We like to say, "We look." We try to keep it real, and I just got inspired. And we need to have him on next week if he's willing. You if know what? about this he, he, he i think he would be if he's uh i know he's i know he's he does a lot of uh he does a lot a lot of traveling so I'll, I'll make sure i just hit him up and see what's going on but Le just to, to to kind of preface this leon is like he's in this in this space of his life where he is um i keep saying healing journey like what does that mean when i say that he is, is at a point where he is no longer interested in, in leading with or leading from his trauma. So like sometimes when people, when people are like, oh my goodness, you, you went through that and you came out of it. He like, doesn't even, he's at a point of his healing where he's like, I don't even, we don't even need to talk about that because where I am right now today, right. Um, I'm skydiving, I'm traveling, I'm with my family, I'm, you know, seeing the youth in the community. If they're selling water bottles, I'm like, give me five cases of water. I'm, I'm, I'm meditating. Like he, so he's not even talking about the, the very thing that led him or, or, or kind of maybe inadvertently propelled him into this, this elite activist right we talk about the elite activist role what comes with that so that's a 
that's a challenge for activists to think about from a black activist, from a mental health standpoint. I know me, I, I used to, uh, and Marvin Brown, I've talked to you about this. People would be like, you know, well, what's, what's your, what's your story? What's your thing? And I will always lead with the same thing. You know, I have my, my best friend died by suicide and I would tell the story and people would like lean in and get really, you know, concerned and focused. And at one point, one of my mentors asked me, my mentor was like, do you believe that? Or is, is that true for you now? Is that your truth right now? And I was like, wow, I had got so comfortable and so familiar with just regurgitating that for the image, right? So that, that parallel between the, the, the black athlete and the black activist, I got so comfortable in that. And I, the, when I answered that question, I said, no, that is not my truth right now. That's not my truth. And it, it inspired me to think about, wow, what is my truth right now as an activist and as an advocate? Like, do so that we gonna need more than an hour to talk about that. But I think Leon would be, Leon is the guest um, to, he talk gets to talk about. We talk about images and we talking about, you know, one of the things you know, that came to mind when you were talking, Julie, is this, is it images everything or even is that true? And it seems like Leon is dispelling that, you know, he's saying it's not about the image. It's not about what you see and what he's walking in is his triumph. We, we go, you know, you always hear me say trauma to triumph and the squiggly lines mean it's the peaks and valleys of getting from trauma to triumph. But when you get to trying and you know how to stay in that place and walk in it, doesn't mean you don't have peace and valleys. It just means that you have a different mindset that has not kept you in prison to your past. You have mitigated your past and you have made peace with it. And you understand it is what it is. It's a part of who you are, but you're not stuck in it. It's going to always be there in your mind is that it was a place you used to know, but it doesn't mean that that had to define your next days. So I love it. I love it. I love, I love, can't wait to next week's show. Listen, and you just, that was like the uh, final mic drop comment. Uh, let, let us shout out. And again, I, I apologize. Uh, uh, family, Andrea, Andrea, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but you rode with us all day today. Thank you, uh, Carlo Taylor. It looks like you were trying to comment something, but a comment didn't come up. But Andrea, Andrea, I mean, you, you, you were with us. Let's, let's pull in your, uh, your final comments, right? To take it, to take it to a personal, my mama criticized me, but loves me unconditionally. That unconditional love. Yes. Hey, criticism comes from, from your parents sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be taught from day one that the world will catch you one day. Bullying critics, haters. So back to parents, preparation and training. But our parents in the generation X are in trouble. <laughs> Thank you, too, for hitting the surface of this debate. So I think what Andrea uh, Andrea is trying to pull up for us is that 
parents, uh, teachers, educators, adults, right? We, we, we know that our young Black athletes, right now they're coming up in a time where you talk about image and now having being able to have access to this money mm-hmm. and all these endorsements and things now at a at a even earlier point in their lives. Y'all, we talk about the village. Now we got to be even more mindful yeah. and intentional about talking to them about mental health and wellness, talking to them about financial literacy and, and credit and financial management, talking to them about, uh, uh, you know, mindfulness and, 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 who, and who their peer groups are. Like peer. now, we're not just talking, you just the star in your own hood. Now you're 14 with $100,000. Absolutely. That's crazy. What does that look like for our, in our community, in our school? Like that's, that's gonna, that's gonna be uh, challenging for us. So we need to wrap around these, these babies. Sometimes it means you got to hurry up and move out your community. That's traumatic too. Mm-hmm. Right. And people thinking, oh, well, you just left us. You, you know, right. a lot that comes Your with friend, you being told to stay away from them because they're young like you. And it's not that you're being told to stay away from them. This happened real, real talk. I know this firsthand from a parent. It's not that you had to tell your child to stay away from their friends. It's the parents that are attached to the friends that are asking the friends and manipulating the friends to go to their friend for money. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we, I mean, we could do a, this could be a part three, a part four, or Bible parts. I mean, we we can revisit it. Um, we will we will do our best to try to get Brother Leon on the show with us. Uh, hope hope hopefully he'll be able to be present. I think at the very least we got our topic next week to to wrap up mental health, oh, minority mental health month, talking about uh, black activism and black advocates and uh, what that means in terms of. Um, you know, image versus impact and intent, and why are we doing the work? And how that, how that, how that influences our own mental health journey. I think that's a that might be something we have to take in some August as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have one series after series after series. <laughs> all connected, and we love you all. Thank you for journeying with us. Thank you for. Man, you give us light. I know I'm smiling when I get off this show, Jillian. I love we have great topics. You know, things that we don't hear too often the other side of the story. You know, we don't hear about what's going on in these people's lives mentally. We just hear the, we just see the glamour. But, but we know there's always more to the story. Mm, yes. Yes, I think that's a, a beautiful place to end. There's always more to the story, y'all. It's not always what you see or what you hear. So um, particularly black folks, right? Try to give your 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 give our folks and our people some grace. You know, we're all dealing with something, whether we're a a the elite of the elite activist or elite of the elite uh athlete. We are we 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 still black in America at the end of the day. So we're a village. Andre said, "We're a village." Yes. So, as the village, let's let's give each other that grace, y'all. We appreciate y'all. We'll see y'all next week. Bye.